Hello and welcome to Kuna Quest episode 282. I'm your host, Mike Caps, aka Wheels, running around at the speed of sound. And with me as always. Sorry, this is supposed uh, to be rolling around at the speed of sound. God yeah, wow, you fucking damn up. it. No, it's the lyrics joke, to Sonic songs. Joke no, ruined. No, it's the lyrics to Sonic songs. They were Bernie Van Master. And losing track of which way the time change actually happens every year. Your managed by Michael Baker. Fall back. Michael. Fall back. I don't know which way or the other, to be honest. I thought we were starting two hours ago. <laughs> it sucks. Right, that's, that's, that's what happens. It sucks. At least I made a concerted no, uh... effort to make sure I got home on time so I could do this. It's now fully so, dark at 5 p.m. Yeah. Um, 5.15. 5 p.m. for me. <laughs> Very dark. Maybe so. the girls were not too tired to see the wonderful eclipse earlier this week. Well, that's nice. something. Yeah. We had a little blog party out in front. Like five mm. different families ended up showing up to that's just watch fun. the moon for a while. Good times. <sighs> so, what have we been playing? Um, third verse, same as the first. A little bit louder and a little bit worse. I beat a game. No, oh, you didn't. Yes, I did. It's on stream. Yeah. I have video evidence. <laughs> you did, in fact, finish a video game. Yes. I beat Klonoa. supposedly. Yes. Trying to manage myself. Oh fuck. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry. Just I'm not trying dying to imagine that part. In my game. Dying game here. Uh trying to imagine myself playing that game as an eight year old and dealing with the way that game ends. Welcome to my world. Oof. Kinda reminds uh, me of Link's Awakening. That's yeah, cool. yeah, definitely got uh, a lot of that same uh yeah. Melancholy. <laughs> uh, very good game, though. The last few levels were very hard, but I liked that they were challenging you with things you'd learned throughout the game. Wasn't... Very good at taking advantage of Klonoa's simple but robust moves, too. Yeah, it's, it's not <laughs> like some games that just throw unending bullshit at you at the end of the game. Nope. Just... Uh... No, everything made sense. It was just hard. Hmm. Uh, very good game, though. But went from that and started up another platformer that just came out, and that is Sonic Frontiers. Which was um, a weird purchasing experience. Uh, okay, got some questions. Yes. So I went to pick it up at Best Buy, which I pre-ordered there because they had a steelbook. As anyone who listens to the show knows, I like a good steelbook. So picked it up, hand me the game, the steelbook. I'm like, uh, this is like a full-sized one. This seems wrong. And opened oh, no. it up, and naturally it was like, oh, it's yeah, this is just for a disc. So I returned, returned it and was like, okay, let me... Let me call GameStop and see if they still have Steelbooks, because they were doing a similar deal, and they did. So I went and go pick it up there, 
and it was a nicer steelbook, but it was also just for disc. <laughs> so I I don't know if this is Sega's fault or retailer's fault, but somehow, some way, they no one made a steelbook for the Switch version of the game. Apparently. But anyway, yeah, weird. yes. But anyway, that's not the actual game. I've yeah, uh, I don't think you can blame Nintendo on this one. Yeah, I mean, I got a Persona 5 steelbook, and that was yeah. not two weeks ago. No, this seems very, uh, very um, Sega-ish. Uh, but thankfully the okay. yes, thankfully the actual <laughs> game is uh, extremely good, and I'd like to talk about it because it's very good. And also the Switch port seems well, extremely well optimized. Just... I would imagine that it was a point of primary concern because they want this to sell in Japan. Yes. <laughs> And also, I think the past Switch versions of Sonic games have done very well here as well. Yep, 100%. A lot of the audience is children. Yep. So, that's good news, since the port of Sonic Forces was um, not great. Forces? Uh, Forces is fine. The Switch port? Yeah. Uh, I remember having frame rate issues. Maybe, maybe I beat it before they patched it. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I liked Sonic Forces a lot, even though people seem to despise it. People people got went real hard on that one. Yeah. Quite heavily why. Don't know. <laughs> we were short, but the three D levels were fine. They're very good, but um, You can make your own curry. Yes. But yes, this new one shakes things up and um I think honestly does a 3D platformer thing that lots of other games have done, but in a way that makes sense for Sonic that they've never really done before, and that's providing like a, an exploration hub around like the standard 3D Sonic levels. That's a lot of fun, uh, which makes it sound not as interesting as it actually is. I think it's refining a lot of a lot of what was good about 3D Sonic games, but could also be janky. Like, even just going down to the 3D levels themselves, which could always be lots of fun. I feel like Sonic controls a lot better than past games. Like, I was hmm. finding ways to, okay, jump and boost and get to places that would have been a lot harder to get to in past Sonic games. It just feels a lot smoother. And the exploration areas are also pretty cool with lots of little collectibles and stuff like that. And uh, just like lots of 3D platform gamers, you can replay the, the actual levels themselves to earn more, to complete more objectives and unlock more keys and stuff. Uh, but it uh, plays extremely well. It's a very, very good Sonic game. Very light on story. <laughs> And gets you into the and action super fast. Yes, I've heard you can fish. Apparently extremely overpowered, actually. Yeah. There are character upgrades and stuff like that. It's um, it's good stuff. And um, seems like it's 
going to plot a uh, good future for the franchise. So it's good stuff. Good Sonic. And also, if you like that game, give Sonic Forces another chance. Freaking haters. You can engage in one last fist bump. Yes. Also, the music is very good. There's some butt rock. There's some tech to me stuff. It's good stuff. That what you want. Yes. Yeah, highly recommend Sonic Forces. Just um, if you're looking for a Switch steelbook, you're not going to get one. So don't bother with that. Are you sure they just don't exist? Yeah, yeah. I don't think they. I don't think it exists. <laughs> Google, huh? I, I think. I don't think Google. I'm not finding this. I think something. Uh, something got bungled. A collectible steelbook, one size. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a weird choice. Yep. Something. Uh, some wires got crossed there or something. I don't know. They had to make a choice, and they went with a Persona 5 steelbook instead. Yeah, and it's not like, you know, it's sometimes, you know, Switch versions don't have a steelbook, but, you know, Best Buy has had, like, exclusive steelbooks for Switch games before, so it, the whole thing was just... It was just weird. Just, especially after the guy at GameStop handed me... The second steel book. <laughs> I just realized I've wasted my time. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, this seems to be a very common thing. Although it sounds like some people got a switch steel book. Uh, don't tell me that. I'm gonna have to start trolling around on eBay now. I'm checking. Seeing I'm if checking. this exists. This <laughs> mythical object. Yeah, I'm, I'm checking. I'll, I'll check more later. Uh. But yeah, so yeah, it's just good to. I feel like, uh, you know, I like Frontiers, but it also felt like they they kind of needed to change up the formula. And it's like Frontiers is the game that uh, it's basically mean, doing what I would have wanted. You mean you like forces? But they need. Yeah, I like forces. You said you said Frontier and then Frontier again. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, well, I liked forces, but you know, it seemed like they needed a bit of a yeah. change up on the formula. Yeah. And it looks like Frontiers did that. So. Yeah, it's the first Sonic. It's the first 3D Sonic game in a while. I feel like that everyone's just positive on. Mm -hmm. It's also just the first 3D Sonic in a while. Like yeah, Forces was in 2017. I feel like like the last 3D one that people generally liked colors. Even then, I feel like no generations. Oh yeah, that's right. Generations. I forgot about generations. Yeah. But yeah, it's one of those things like the 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 formula had gotten a little long with two, so. Because Generations was a 2011 video game. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Live with that. Um, yeah, and I guess Sonic Forces was kind of just doing that with um, a little more window dressing. A little more window dressing. You could make your own character. Uh, Hoopa Stank Man sang a song. Uh, was that Hoopa Stank Man? Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, it I was. I didn't realize that. One last fist bump. Uh ridiculous song that I absolutely love. <laughs> oh no, it's exactly the song that Sonic needs in Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, find anything else? Uh, continue to play Trails in the Sky. I'm now in 
waiting to attend a dinner party at the Queen's Castle. So I feel like oh, yeah, that's important. things are going to happen shortly. Yep. And I'll get to the end of that. Also playing... Um, what else have I been playing? That was about it this past week. Not too much else than that. I haven't played more Mario and Rabbids yet. I just... I'm buried in games. There's a lot of video games. Yeah. Suffering from a plethora. We're not even we're not even playing the only one that's gonna sell this month. <laughs> Call of Booty. No, I was saying Dad of War, but Oh I could care less about that. Hey, I could care less as well. Yeah. Like I uh, I, I didn't I will probably play and finish the first one at some point but it, like just i got about 12 hours in as far as i can tell that was about halfway and i was like yep i've seen about as much of this as I yeah <laughs> it's fine <laughs> solid seven and a half eight out of ten yeah yeah totally solid game yeah. it's better things but speaking of things we're actually playing yeah, I was going to say, what oh, are you fuck, playing? I'm going to be buried in Pokemon in exactly yep. uh, nine days. Nine days. Fuck. Yep. Fuck. Yeah. I'm just going to hold off on Pokemon for a while. Godspeed. I'll probably pick it up first week. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like I've ever played one of those games on. Actually, no, never mind. I did, I did get Black and Black 2. Very start. Okay, eventually. I will play these eventually. Possibly after the next generation. <laughs> Considering I, I've only played the demo for Sun Moon. Uh, you haven't played Sun Moon? Oh, it's... Uh, I got the cartridge in the bottom of, of my bag right now. I just haven't... Done it. Pokemon Sumo. <clears throat> <clears throat> I mean, I, I did, like I said, I played the demo and I actually wrote the impression of the demo hmm. years ago. I just didn't follow up on it. Because as yeah. you have noted, there are a lot of games to play out there. Tend to be. And I've got at least three reviews I actually need to put on the site. Oh dear, I'm way behind on these. Okay. Good boy. Yeah. Not good boy, because I don't put them on the site. Uh, but yeah. Uh... What have I been up to? Uh, booted up uh, Persona 5 Royal on Switch, just sort of slowly let myself through the opening of that as time permits. I've beaten it multiple times before, so I don't have to uh, push myself to go too quickly on that. It's just something fun to have in the background. It's still, it's I, still Persona I'm 5 Royal. It's still great. April on that one. <laughs> oh, What's that? that? I'm currently killing time till the end of April on that one. Nice. <laughs> oh, that that reminds me. I did play Fire... I was going to play Royal, and instead fired Strikers back up to try and make progress in that. And nice dream. Uh, did a boss fight, and my hands hurt afterwards. Because <laughs> those boss fights are in that game were intense. Hmm. Let's see. Uh... So yeah, uh, doing a bit of that. Uh, I polished off East for the Dawn of East. Uh, it was very sad that one of the best tracks in the game only plays for approximately four screens. Uh, it's a good game. Uh, it's 
probably the best of the East 4s. I'm including Falcom's Memories of Salsetta. That's a game that has some issues in my memory, but we'll, uh, we'll see when I get around to it. But it's, uh, it's, it's a good, interesting game. It's fascinating to play in light of Mask of the Sun, its concurrent version, because those games have about 60% of the same plot, and otherwise bear almost no resemblance to each other. It's it's very much a case study in what can happen when two developers are given a design document and told, go nuts. Um, I've so. seen that happen with short stories before, mm-hmm. where like they gave like three or four different authors the same picture. Like the same so, prompt. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just imagining it with a video game is kind of crazy. Yeah, you don't see that that often, which is part of why East Four, Mask of the Sun, and Dawn of East are very interesting games to play one after another. Because uh, you sort of know what's going to happen, but you don't. Yeah, like there there will be a Lafance, and there will be uh, some ties back to East One and Two, and. Uh, some very, uh, like, broad strokes uh, agreement on the history of Elsetta. That's kind of it. And it's funny because even Falcom's own version of East 4 doesn't really bear a resemblance to the one that they considered canon until they made their own version of East 4. <laughs> like... In other words, there are three different games based on the same design document. Yep, technically four, but no one cares about the PS2 Taito remake. Uh, it doesn't have an English translation. I can't do a full-on comparison on it. But yeah, that one's called Mask of the Sun. I think it's like Mask of the Sun, a new, like, uh, an, it has like a weird-ass Japan, ver- a very Japanese subtitle. But it's one of those things that only works because you can jam nouns together in Japanese in ways that you can't in English. Probably. But uh, it... it like, despite being called because Ma- both of the both Dawn of East and Mask of the Sun do technically revolve around the Mask of the Sun, although the nature of the Mask of the Sun's a little different. <laughs> but really, so calling calling the PS2 game Mask of the Sun doesn't actually mean anything in terms of whether it actually bears a great deal of resemblance to Mask of the Sun. And from what I can tell, it takes some things from both of the prior games and some things that are its own thing. And then there's uh, Memories of Zosetta, which was Falcom's own version, and that one uh, really emphasizes like the giant forest that is basically just an incidental location in Mask of the Sun, and kind of doesn't it, like barely exists at all in Dawn of East. <laughs> but like in Memories of Zosetta, it's like the reason Adol went there was to chart this giant ass forest, and like charting the giant ass forest is not the main goal by the end, but it, is absolutely like the core like subsystem that's binding the game together like getting that 100% map completion on the Celsetta forest and it's like you just made this up out of whole cloth just sort of because it's strange but yeah Don of East is really good uh has if, even if you can't be bothered to play it please go look up the soundtrack it's fucking great uh 
My my biggest well, issue with Donovan is that it's maybe a little long for what it is, but I mean it's kind of splitting hairs. I'm thinking now that if the East series is supposed to be like, based on the um, oral tradition of Adol's adventures, this is exactly what would happen if you had three different epic poets coming up with three different versions <laughs> of the same. Myth. Yeah, like one of them just got obsessed. Each of them got obsessed with different parts and had their own pet interpretations. Yeah. Or, I mean, or even just three different epic traditions. Mm -hmm. So, like, each of them had their own version of Homer that they're all basing this off, and they have to keep elaborating on it to fit the audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it gives the game a very uh, unique flavor, just in the sense of, like, there's three, four versions of it, and, like, you could honestly have a debate which one's the definitive one. But, yeah... Uh, so I finished that and started in on East 5. Not East 5 Expert, regular East 5. Uh, which uh, is among the most Super Famicom games I've ever played. Like, just in terms of its style and aesthetic, it feels very much like Falcom wanted it to feel at home on the Super Famicom. That's the only place that uh, a Falcom-produced version has ever come out. Uh, general fan consensus seems to be that this one's not very good. Uh, I played the first hour-ish, and it's very much a growing pains game. Like, bumping combat is gone from the series uh, as of this one. Like, it would never come back except for remakes. Uh, and you can see what would eventually become uh, Ark of Nepishtim's, uh style of combat, but it's not there yet. You can jump, though. You've got a very similar jump to what you would have in the E6-derived games. Uh, and it, it generally sort of feels like an early-ish version of that idea, but, like, you know, generally slower, jankier, but not bad by any stretch. I, I think... Uh, so one of the things that I realized while playing through this is that, like, uh, playing through these games is that uh, I, I would personally argue that East 3, Wanders from East, uh, has, like, an undeserved bad reputation as a black sheep just because people don't really take it for what it is. And uh, I'm wondering if East 5 might kind of be the same thing. But... Uh, yeah, thus far, it, it's really pretty. It's got uh, very interesting, much more atm atmospheric than driving music. It's kind of the beginning of them uh, doing a bit more of that. But, like, the atmospheric music is still really, really nice. Uh, and, you know, I'm enjoying it. I'm a couple hours in. Uh, it's East. It remains East eternally. But not East Eternal. Different game. <laughs> but, yeah. So really, really digging that. Uh, and see, and today I finally got my copy of Star Ocean: The Divine Force. Yay! That was an odyssey. Uh, <laughs> How many days late is that? Journey through the ocean of stars. Uh, let's see. It was so I ordered it on Saturday, and Amazon was like, "It will be here overnight." Nice. But no, uh, and then <laughs> it was not. Uh, they they gave me some very confusing uh, statements about where it was. 
because uh, it started approximately 30 miles from my home. And I was like, oh, that, that, I can see how that could get here overnight. Then it said it was uh, out for delivery. Sometimes. Then sometimes it did not. Uh, then uh, for a minute there, uh, it for some reason said that it was uh, delayed due to severe weather in the delivery area, which was news to me as the person living in the delivery area. <laughs> so that confused me. I contacted an Amazon support rep, and they were like, they they looked at it for a bit and were like, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is just lost. Uh, so they, they immediately sent me a new copy, and I got here today. So, you know, win some, lose some. Uh, Order some, some get lost. Yeah, pretty much. But I, I had the chance to play like an hour of that. And so I'm going to put it this way. I didn't think that I would ever have as my first impression of a Star Ocean game. Wow, that didn't waste any of my time. Huh. <laughs> I love Star Ocean, but basically all of them have very plodding intros. Except and... for Blue Sphere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I suppose I should say, of the numbered installments, all of them have very plotting intros. Uh, and this one does not at all. Uh, so they brought back the dual protagonist setup from Star Ocean 2. You can pick uh, Raymond and Laetitia. And if I, I picked Raymond, and within 10 minutes, they have. Uh, fairly quickly outlined spaceship captain not with the federation uh, definitely try definitely some sort of traitor possibly smuggler and ship crashed meets the other protagonist and your uh, third party member uh, so you know very very quick to get started battles in this game are weirdly fast like really weirdly fast not bad but just like uh you 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 will be uh having you will be because there's no uh there you know all, all combat is on field and you just sort of jump from like field exploration mode to combat mode and back very quickly and the starter enemies don't have too too much hp you really do end up in situations where it's like in and out of combat within three seconds huh uh it also helps that uh like its cousin series tales this has ditched mp as a mechanic Woohoo! uh so what's it working on like Count um, like counterpoints or action points or something like that. CP. Yeah, it's it's working. Uh, if you if you ever played any of the more the the MPless uh, Tales of games where they have a or Sergeant Frog RPG. <laughs> yeah, where they have a that's that's a Tales of game and you know it. Uh, I know it is. <laughs> but uh, you have a gauge that. Uh, like it has X number of points in it. It can get as your maximum can go from as low as five to as many as 15, uh, based on how you're performing in battle. Uh, if you are 
successfully dodging and using your uh, like super speed glide abilities and shit effectively, you will get more action points so you can combo more effectively. Uh, those uh, those refill extraordinarily fast when you are not uh, attacking or dodging at the exact same moment. Uh, it's it's a really really fast combat system, like truly bizarrely so. Uh, but yeah, uh, within like thirty minutes, I'd gone through the first like short tutorial dungeon. Uh, there are essentially like you know there's uh, out of combat, like all of the initial character banter after the opening cutscene is just your characters sort of talking while you're going through the dungeon. It's, you know, it's not that out of the ordinary at this stage, but it is, I, I will say, better pulled off than I would have expected if it had been described to me. Uh, so yeah, after about thirty minutes, you get to the, you find the uh, cargo that Raymond was transporting. It is some sort of weird robot that gives you the ability to glide slash like magically uh like it gives you like a glide and super jump to start with uh and you can also sort of do like these uh super dashes that uh can be used to either like just ram headlong into an enemy and start a combo or you can uh, jet towards the enemy and then change directions at the last moment, which will cause the uh, enemy to lose track of you, which allows you to uh, hit them from the back. It's the mechanic's called blindsiding, and you'll get uh, you'll get bonus damage. You'll get more. Uh, your AP gauge will its max will increase. Uh, it gives you a lot of incentives to do that. But the emphasis really does seem to be speed, speed, speed. It's really fast. It's really weird to experience, and then. Uh, once you've found that, it doesn't just affect your combat ca uh, capability, because now you can, like, uh, do these super jumps outside of combat, so you can explore the uh, areas in a much more 3D fashion, and you get upgrades to the little robot that's giving you these super abilities by finding these crystals that are scattered in weird places that, like, encourage you to explore the map. It's It's... A clever setup. I, I mean, it's clearly a lower budget JRPG, but it is like you know, the, it seems clever. It seems uh, inventive and risk taking. It feels very triace in a good way. So, I'd say lower budgets often have that effect. Strangely enough, triace was always uh, at its best as a scrappy underdog. Um, but yeah, yeah you know, beyond, only beyond the labyrinth. I, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was just insanely insane. Yep, Resonance of Fate, those first couple Star Oceans, Valkyrie Profile, like, they were always at their best when they were just sort of, like, doing what, doing doing their weird shit, and Divine Force seems to have reeled some of that back into the series, which I appreciate. But, yeah, uh, the other thing I've noticed, uh, I may, maybe I just haven't found it yet, but it sort of seems like there are just no medics in the game. Uh, there is not, none of the party members are healers. Uh, at least so far, because all of them have had an ability called First Aid, which normally is just a basic healing spell in Star Ocean. Uh, in this, it doesn't do that. Uh, it is a, uh, conditional ability that can, uh, 
that has the chance to proc any time that you get hit that just restores 20% of your HP upon taking that damage. So it's just like, huh. Okay, then. Uh, healing is very different. Uh, but yeah, it's it's it, it seems unique, ambitious. Uh, I'm I'm excited to play more of it, which you know that makes me happy. There there was there was some rocky rocky times for this series, and I'm glad that like this this may very well be like when I started it, I was like, there's a pretty good chance I will never play a new Star Ocean game again. Mm -hmm. so, at least it seems like it's ending on a high note. It seems like this has just come out and turbo bombed in the U.S. Oh jeez. Uh, I yeah I I've heard of like three other people in total playing it. I'm not playing it, but I bought a copy. Well, thank you for supporting yeah. the cause. <laughs> sure, I've seen more than three people on the Discord saying that they've been playing it at least. Yeah, yeah. The 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 RP Gamer Discord. I'm kind of not counting because we're uh, we're a, a, a different bunch. Bunch. We have some selection bias going on here. Yeah, pretty much. The the RP Gamer Discord is going to self-select the kind of person who would purchase a Star Ocean Six. But, yeah, uh, I, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it quite a bit, and that's uh, that was never a guarantee because, uh, like I said, uh, Star Ocean Three might have broken my heart more than any other video game on the planet. Game sucks. Uh, it's, it sucks, but it also needs to be understood in the context of when I played... Hmm? In the context of how it sucks? or No, no. It, when I say how much it disappointed me, it needs to be understood in the context that when I played Star Ocean 2, I was like 10, and it was a revelatory game to me because it was such a weird, out-there departure for a JRPG. Uh, and... I was uh, utterly uh, entranced by it and loved it dearly. And then Star Ocean 3 came out and I had basically nothing that I wanted from it <laughs> and took away almost everything I thought was interesting about Star Ocean 2. So generally, it's it would be very difficult for any game ever to disappoint me the way the Star Ocean 3 disappointed me. I did not even reach the bad plot twist that everyone hates. I was so disappointed I just never even got that far, which, to be fair, is like 35 hours into a game that I already was not having fun with. So. <laughs> How long ago was this? Uh, Star Ocean 3? Uh, that game was a 2003 or 4 video game in the U.S. I want to say 4 because, like, it got delayed a lot uh, for the time, uh, in part because they ended up deciding that they were going to localize the director's cut version of it. Wow, that was the director's cut version? Yeah. How bad is the original version, then? Uh, allegedly, like, there was a bunch of issues with it just being really buggy. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, so, in Japan, it was a February 2003 game, and in the U.S., it was an August 2004 game. Okay. I was about to ask if this is the one that caused the flame war, and, but no, that was must have been four, because it was definitely later than that. Yeah, well, that was yeah. four. Okay. Four, four has has a completely different set of problems. Uh, but yeah, this this continues my uh, long held belief that uh, 
Star Ocean games improve when the protagonist's name is a name a human being might have. <laughs> uh, Star Ocean 1 stars a, like alien, uh, alien man named uh, Roddick Ferent, I want to say, and that's, that's mostly a name. It's close to, that's close to a name. Uh, Star Ocean 2 uh, has uh, Claude C. Kenny and Raina Lanford. Those are both actual human names, uh, even though one of them is a space elf. Uh, and that, that game's, as far as I'm concerned, the best the series has ever been. Uh, Star Ocean 3 stars Fate Line God, which is wow, that's not a name any human being will ever have. Ever. That is uniquely terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, Star Ocean 4 stars Edge Maverick. Also not a name anyone would have. That's ironically. Well, unless you're a member of U2. That's the Edge. Excuse <laughs> you. Uh, wheels, please turn off the dark. Um, but, Sorry, uh, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I, I can't believe that you did not take the Spider-Man bait. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, hey, kids, go look up Spider-Man. Turn off the dark. Or don't. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's fascinating in a train wreck. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you go see that wheel? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, Star Ocean Five stars Fidel Camus. That's that's mostly a normal name. Uh, and uh, Star Ocean Six uh, has two protagonists again, and one of the the one I picked is named Raymond Lawrence, which is just an extremely normal name. <laughs> and it's uh, it seems like it's good again. So yeah. But yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm digging it. I'm digging it. Also, uh, touching my earpiece with late breaking news. Uh, a friend just sent me a link claiming uh, that's like uh, talking that seems to be attempting to translate some sort of East Ten uh, press release. Ooh. To celebrate Ooh. the 35th anniversary of the East series, the next East title will be released for PS5, PS4, and Nintendo Switch. Hmm. Uh, and that they intend to launch three Nintendo Switch games in the Japan, the fiscal year of 2020, uh, the fiscal year uh, of 2023 from Falcom. So, yeah. Uh, hooray! Falcom's uh, decided that now it's the time to go gangbusters on the Switch. Took a minute, but I got there. I got there in the end. Oh, Nissa helped him with that. Seems yeah. Like. yeah. <sighs> but yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad to be playing a, a Star Ocean game that makes me happy again. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, I would also like to point out that Star Ocean is one of those things that had an, a reputation so immediately poisonous that uh, none of the other games are even in the same universe in terms of where they fall in the timeline. 
Uh, yeah, it seems Star like Ocean. no one wants to touch that at all. Yeah, it's, it's got that Devil May Cry 2 thing where they just sort of like... They don't want to decanonize it. They don't want to like acknowledge it long enough to say anything about it. So it's just like they just shunt everything into a point where it's like, yeah, that one happens, you know, later after the after the rest of this. Uh, like Star Ocean Four immediately was a prequel. It, it took place long before one and two, and I think five is. I want to say five is after two. Yeah, five is after two because it has a character who is. Not stated, but very, very strongly implied to be the uh, descendant of the two protagonists of Star Ocean 2. Uh, he, he's definitely the he's definitely related to one of the protagonists of the two because he still he has the same last name and brings up uh, being a uh, descendant of the Hero of Light, which is like a uh, superstition that was uh, cast upon the hero of Star Ocean 2 because he came out of the goddamn sky. Um, but, yeah, so, like, the the timeline seems to go 4, 1, 2, 5, 6, several hundred years, 3. They very much, uh, like, 6 is as close as they've ever gotten to 3, and I think it's still at least 200 years before 3. <laughs> So yeah, uh, just one of those things where it's like, the second it came out, they were just like, we should, should maybe just not touch this again. <laughs> and they're, they're probably <laughs> The less we have to do to talk about MMOs in 4D space, the better. Uh, speaking of random MMO related ridiculousness, um, so apparently this is about the time that Sword Art Online is supposed to have existed. Oh God! I don't know. Yeah, and so did you guys hear about the? Uh, I heard about Palmer Lucky's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, and that's it then. Okay. Yeah. Do you like VR Fuck games? Fuck you, Palmer Lucky. Um, Do you like VR games that could murder you? I would. I will. Listen, it's, we can simulate that. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that was that was the that was the claim that he had made was that there are explosive charges built into the headset that could be detonated by a very specific uh, shade of red that would be associated with game over state. Great, yeah. great invention. Re Reshaped charges built into the headset from an undisclosed previous project that he had been working on as a defense contractor. What the fuck? <laughs> yes, actually, yes. <laughs> what the fuck? All of the people with way too much goddamn money who get to make whatever the fuck they want have the worst fucking taste in media imaginable. Yep. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh... Somebody give me a lot of money and I'll make you something really fucking stupid. That won't murder you. And you're you're already one up on that. Uh, speaking of uh, VR and losing a shit ton of money hand over fist, Facebook is now uh, it's now laying off eleven thousand people. Ugh. 
Zuckerberg being like, I'm sorry, I take full responsibility for this, but you still have your job, motherfucker. Um, but yeah. I'm sorry, um, I take full responsibility for this, but no, you can't have any of my mountain of cash. It's my translation. No one else is allowed message. to. No one, no one else is allowed to ride the ship, and everyone else loses their job. Um, but yeah. But hey, uh, you have feet in the metaverse now, right? No, those were those were a mock-up. They are still not in there. Yet. Oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I wish I were joking. I am not. Okay, well that got depressing. Uh, video games are good sometimes, not when. People like Palmer Lucky or Mark Zuckerberg are involved. Yeah, uh, so that's uh, that's where we are at this. That's where we are at the stage of play. A lot, a, a little bit of a lot. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing with all of these, and of course, uh, still making headway in. Uh, trails from zero as well so nice i got a i got a plate full of rpg i know that feeling and also for the entertainment of some friends i'm also streaming a playthrough of dragon age origins for them <laughs> oh god just too many games i play games game game yeah, that game's like 50 hours long. Um, but, yeah. Uh, you playing the PC version? PC version, yeah. Oh, God. It's just the easiest one to get a hold of. Because I don't have a Series X at the stage. I don't like that version, though. <laughs> it's, it's not my ideal way to play. I don't like the control interface, and you cannot use... A controller with it because the entire interface was designed for keyboard and mouse and has uh, no option to switch to the console UI at all. Yeah, no. Which is a bit of a shame. The console UI is, I would honestly say, a, a fair bit better. <laughs> you know, uh, that, I don't... Was, that was like a weird reverse revelation for me when I played because i played through that on mac actually it was like oh wow i actually don't want to play this game like this this sucks yeah i have i have no desire to use the tactical camera i zoomed it in and immediately never used the, the tactical yeah. camera again it's, it's not good it, it does not help my personal play style but yeah it's 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 a very uh, uh ugly game uh yeah, yeah. we'll go with it it's extraordinarily ugly. Um, it, it was it was one of those games that like because it started development in like 2002 and then yeah. came out in like 2009. It was you know like the, that technology was being developed for a long time, and by the time it came out, there was definitely parts of it that looked good and parts of it bad. But now it's many years later, and uh, it's it's it doesn't have a very strong sense of art direction. Uh, and like I don't like being mean, but I, I will, uh, Dragon Age Origins, Dragon Age One. Oh, okay. Uh, it is, yeah. It doesn't have a very strong art direction, uh, which would feel like a very harsh thing for me to say. But uh, the game's 
final executive producer, its third executive producer, uh, did a YouTube video where he made essentially the same criticism of it, mm -hmm. but it just doesn't have a very strong argument. <laughs> uh, I just got uh, some good YouTube videos where he reflects on a lot of the old Bioware games. You should go look them up. But, uh... Yeah, that game. Feels like it wants to be medieval Mass Effect. It's not quite uh, as good. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't even go that far. It very much feels like it was someone being like, we need to make a game to satisfy people who want more uh, Baldur's Gate or Neverwinter Nights. But, you know, the, that, the, the sheer meanderingness of those games is not really replicable, nor even terribly desirable for most no, players. Not really. Uh, and so, like, the, the best part of the game ends up being, like, quests and character interaction which you know kind of was always what made the good bioware games shine was quests and character interaction uh, also yep yeah, yeah. also uh i would like to uh have a stern talking to about uh why uh why uh the stat that could most uh, obviously be considered an analog for charisma is only use is only useful to one class. So, if you want to be able to uh, persuade well, it's very very useful to be a rogue. Just frustrating. Just frustrating. <laughs> uh, otherwise, you have to be devoting stat points to a stat that you aren't actually getting much out of. Uh, uh, yeah, so also playing that uh, when when I have when my when friends are just desiring to uh, have a video game to comment on in the background where we discuss other things. <laughs> so yeah, I've been I've been a busy boy. Uh, <laughs> but hey, East. East Ten, it's coming. It's coming, baby. It's Yay. coming. It'll be on your Switch. Good. Natively. No, no waiting for an, an outside port. It's coming. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, we should probably hit some questions. People want us to do those occasionally. Um, Is there anything in the Discord? Nothing for us. Um, let's open up. I don't know where this is. My computer finally forcibly updated me to Windows 11. Now I have to find. Let's see. I like Windows 11. I don't dislike it, but I don't know where all my files are. That's yeah, fair. <laughs> Uh, this is better than the time I think it was Windows 8 where my start menu wouldn't work for a year and a half. Yeah, that's that's called Windows 8. It sucks. Yeah, it sounds um, like Windows 8. I mean, seriously, it would not work. I had so many different workarounds to actually do anything on this computer. Crazy. Yeah. Thankfully, Windows 11 seems to be one of those more iterative uh, updates rather than them trying to reinvent the wheel. 
and then coming up with a square. Yeah. Rolling square. Okay, I got the question doc open, it looks like. Uh, oh, that's the wrong person to ask. Uh, do you think Voice of Cards is a Yoko Taro game, or does Veronix simply have him uh, call him to work on it? And if it is his game, then can it be called a vanity project? Like Square Enix letting him do whatever he wants to keep a good relationship with them. Well, I've lost I mean, interest I'm... in that game. <laughs> I, I did not play it because I, Yoko Taro does not enchant me. Yoko Taro does not enchant me. Everyone who I, I've heard of who actually finished it says it does seem sufficiently Taro-y. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. He probably it seems like the sort of thing he pitch. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I think isn't that supposed to be in like sets? Is that all out yet? Even. Uh, I think so. Yeah. I'm looking. Voice of Cards series. Uh, it's the first one, the Isle Dragon Roars. How many other ones are there? Uh, Forsaken Maiden and Beasts of Burden. Yeah, it looks like Beasts of Burden is out. Maybe. Yeah, it just came out a couple months ago. Yeah, I didn't hear very much about it after the first one. It does not seem like my kind of video game. Uh, but yeah, uh, it, it seems sufficiently like the sort of thing you would pitch, and it's much easier to get weird low-budget pitches done, and that definitely does not look like a game where a great... where uh, It doesn't look like a game where no expense was spared. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyone notice how weird it is? There are a lot of British, French, and Canadian studios, but the number of games set in Brit uh, Britain, France, and Canada is not that high. Uh, I think the like real-world settings are kind of rare to begin with. Uh, I mean, off and... the top of my head, I can think of two or three games that specifically feature Orléans in Fran France. Only mm -hmm. one of which is actually about Joan of Arc. <laughs> correctly and another one of which is inazuma 11 so uh it was a weird one too yeah uh i feel like when i when i'm thinking of uh games with real world settings it's like mostly open world action games occasionally but even though it's like they'll be set in a very vague pastiche of a real world because that's kind of what uh what Grand Theft Auto said is the template, uh, but otherwise you'll get something like Assassin's Creed, which did have one in France that they like, you know, kind of screwed the pooch on, but they did do that. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I feel like the issue you run into is so. Let's say you're making uh, a Grand Theft Auto style game. Uh, let's say you're doing it in Britain, and you want it to be set in, say, London. London streets suck to fucking suck to drive on. Uh, mm -hmm. It was not a city built for cars. Uh, so if you're doing it realistically, you're getting into some, like, hmm, I mean, we could do this, but, like, you have to be really committed to local flavor. There's, there's not a lot of that. It's sort of the same thing with, like, uh, Canada, like, 
are you going to set it in Toronto, Montreal, like one of, one of the big cities? It's like you'll definitely have uh, a, a local flavor, but there's also, to, to some extent, I think part of the reason that you end up seeing a lot of these end up getting set in America is Americans will buy it. That's a big audience. Mm -hmm. Your countrymen will not be offended by what you've done. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, it's such a big country that, hey, you could probably fit almost anything in here anyway. Yeah, like there's a lot of different options for if you want different like kinds of settings. America's got most of them. And again, like Americans are kind of used to like weird pastiches of America uh, being set. Whereas like if you do like a weird uh, pan-Canadian pastiche or a French pastiche, you're, you got to really com commit to doing something very specific because otherwise it just sort of seems like it, it seems more like mockery it's going to give some questions about why the fuck you went about things the way that you did uh in bacon the rpg say what canadian bacon the rpg <laughs> oh god but that yeah funny. Uh, yeah yeah there's ways to work it but... Yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, uh, you get that sense of distance, you get that, uh, like, market tested, people will buy things that are set in uh, America, you aren't going to offend the Americans by doing it. Uh, so, yeah, this, you know, path of least resistance, uh, the, yeah, like, the, the only things I can think of that kind of set themselves in like uh, France or London or stuff like that tend to be things like Assassin's Creed or very, very obscure uh, part, uh, outer edges of the Grand Theft Auto franchise or uh, infamous Sony PS2 uh, shit fest, The Getaway. Something that's based on very specific historical things. Yeah specific historical things or trying to capture a very specific mood. Or, um, Valkyria Chronicle. Yeah, but that's still a pastiche. I mean, it's, I mean, alternate universe France, yeah. 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 Uh, or something like Operation Darkness, where it is very much specifically Europe in, during World War II. Hmm. World War II historical settings tend to be the most common. Uh, Speaking, yeah, thinking of like another open world action game that place that combine an open world action game in a real world setting that uh, happens to take place in World War II, forgotten disaster, the saboteur. Oh yeah, which was uh, a cool idea. It's a shame how it turned out. Tech wasn't there. Tech didn't work. Um, but yeah, uh, let's see. Yeah, it's just it's just one of those things. Like I think that you know a lot a lot of it ends up being that sort of marketing, like, and then you get of course into like fantasy games are always like some like once you get into pastiches of large parts of Europe, it's usually just a pastiche of you know you just go full on fantasy. You get into like medieval fantasy or high fantasy, like those all have like large large amounts of 
here here is a broad sort of caricature of Europe. <laughs> Like East. <laughs> it's the easy uh, thing to do. It, uh, I think everyone that I was talking to completely lost it when they saw that uh, East 5 takes place in not Africa. And by not Africa, I mean it's spelled like A-F-R-U-C-A. Yeah. What a time. What a time to be alive. Oh, A-F-R-O-C-A. Excuse me. Afroka. I'm, I'm remembering Slime Mori Mori Dragon Quest 3 for 3DS. Mm -hmm. Where it had um, slime-based parodies of different countries. And so, for example, there was Flance. Oh. Yes. What, what could it be? Oh, it's France full of flan. Sure, go ahead. Go for it. Actually, I think the Jap the Japanese term name is actually surance. Slime. Sure. It's like, no, that doesn't make nearly as good a joke in English. It would be flans if it were translated. Yeah, flans was a good uh, flans was a good uh, localization. Yep. Uh, I, I love never this... actually looked like that one. Yeah. I love the incredulity of this uh, this East Wiki. A world map reveals in East Memories of Salsetta, uh, revealed in East Memories of Salsetta, showed that Afroka is roughly, if not exactly, the same shape as a real world Africa. <laughs> they were being subtle. What a what a subtle game. Uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, also not many games that take place outside a handful. American cities. Like, why hasn't GTA gone to Las Vegas or Memphis? Well, no one's, no one's going to Memphis by choice. Las Vegas actually Memphis. did happen. It was just part of San Andreas. That's what Las Lanchotas is. Memphis. The issue you run into... How big is Vegas, actually? Yeah, like, that's the issue you run into is the like, Vegas, you have the strip and then there's basically nothing anyone cares about. I mean, there's a reason why the two prime... I mean... Any given episode of CSI Las Vegas either started off with neon on black or brown. Yeah, those are those are kind of the only two schemas <laughs> happening. <laughs> I guess. Uh, but yeah, uh, usually the the games the games will kind of combine some broader uh, version of SoCal, NorCal, or New York City. Uh, it's just there's a there's a shit ton of people there. There's there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of landmarks there. There's a lot to get up to there. Uh, they are, uh, you you can take bits of them and remix them and be recognizable while still making a city that has like a unique setting. Uh. That's, that's kind of Tokyo currently exist. Yeah, like in in Japanese games, you'll find a lot of like, here's the broad strokes of Tokyo. Here's the Shibuya Scramble Crossing. Uh, or even they'll just have a random big city and say this is somewhere on the outskirts of Tokyo. Yeah, pretty easy to do. And where exactly? Who knows? Because there's so many subsections of Tokyo that we can't tell for certain. <laughs> 
Uh, 43rd Ward. Um, but yeah. I was actually legitimately surprised that Persona 5 was actually taking place in Shibuya. Yeah. They were. They, so they did not. It just happens to be nearby and doesn't really reference it. Yeah. They, they did not. Uh, they did not split hairs. It's just like, nope. That's just where it is. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's just one of those things like you, you want if you're if you're basing it in a real place, you want it to be stuff that people recognize. And Vegas has recognizable, but it doesn't have variety. There's not much you have outside the strip. And I'm sure that many people live in Memphis. I don't actually know what that num uh, number is, but at the same time, people who haven't spent any major portion of their life in Memphis don't know what's in Memphis. <laughs> yeah, and if you're doing something like GTA, you want wide areas to race through. If you're basing yeah. a game in Vegas, you're going to need to focus very, very specifically. So you end up with something more like Ocean's Eleven, the video game. Which isn't a bad idea, but it's probably not, not what publisher wants. Not a bad idea at all, it's not GTA. Yeah, I mean, it's honestly, not what publisher wants. I think of, I mean, of all things, I think Oklahoma City would actually be a better GTA site than Las Vegas, just because, at the very least, you've got room to race. <laughs> I mean, just uh... the sheer number of avenues, streets, and everything else, that city, um, the metropolitan area is about the size of the prefecture I'm currently living in. If not larger. Damn. Yeah. It's just, there's nothing to do but spread out. So if you want to go drag racing down any of the random avenues, go ahead. <laughs> People will welcome the excitement. And it's not like half the state hasn't been operating under a cash-only economy for various um, reasons for the last <laughs> few decades. Anyway, so you've got a built-in um, cannabis and or crystal meth um, subplot for the economy. Easily. <laughs> what a good, what good times. Good times. Uh, let's see. But yeah, the the issue you run into is that like you want you want the iconic stuff, and you know those are the American cities. Even people not from America know something about. Mm. And since you've already decided to set it in America because Americans will buy it, and you won't offend anyone else. Uh, well then, you know, there's always there's always something to be done in L.A., San Francisco, New York City. Uh, yeah, let's see. What is the video game equivalent of Beverly Hills 90210? Something that is absolutely mediocre, but also iconic at the same time. Hmm. I mean, the, the tempting answer would just be something like Call of Duty. <laughs> Wildly successful. Pretty mediocre for the most part. But we'll take that one and... off the table. <laughs> what was that? Madden. Madden Madden I can't even say is mediocre because like it's it has ping ponged wildly between being a really generally very well liked uh, football simulation and being dog shit but having to sell anyway because you didn't have enough 
any other options. I'm trying to think. Joker, but iconic. Uh, insert your least favorite Final Fantasy here. Uh... Uh, Final Fantasy 2? That's not iconic. I love it, but... <laughs> Final Fantasy 10? Oof, shot fired. I don't actually agree with that, and I just I thought you'd appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate <laughs> the shot being fired. It's hard to really pick out one of them that wasn't notable in one way or another. Hmm. Even if you didn't like it. So... 15? I don't know. I don't know anything about 15 other than it's like a dude bro trip. But, um, that's all I know. It's it's very good. Some people in the Discord very much do not like it. <laughs> They're wrong. It's very good. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, we have some man, very although, strongly opinionated people in our Discord. That's true. It's very good. We love I've you. Some fun words to say about some of them in private at times, but... <laughs> it's a very good game with an ending that will... Um, destroy you yeah uh, it's uh, yeah, soul crushing um, <laughs> which okay have, did either of you guys discuss any of the trailers to 16 because i've just watched some of them i'm like oh yeah they suck <laughs> yeah, this, <laughs> oh yeah no we, we've been dunking on that basically from the watching off. the history channel it's like i yep. watch these and it's like okay I'm, I'm just gonna go look up agni's um whatever it was um agni's tech demo that should have been a game because that that tech demo was a lot more it was right were captivating than any of the 16 uh, Final Fantasy 16 trailers. I think Forspoken technically might have partially grown out of that, but also that game has its own issues with being interesting looking. <laughs> uh, the trailers uh, are giving me Final Fantasy Type Zero vibes. It's not good. Yeah, yeah, that's not that's not a good place to be. No. We're, we're we're very much the resident of 16 haters here, so but we're also. Me and Wheels are dumb enough to play it anyway. Uh, yeah, I think we're also resident not likers of Final Fantasy fourteen, so we don't we're not in love with no, this no director indult. already. Yeah, we're doing, uh, technically executive producer, producer Naoki Yoshida. Yes. Who I've met and is a very nice person, but whatever. <laughs> he put his foot in his mouth real bad, but we won't discuss that. Uh Oh yeah, I, f I forgot about that. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, that was um, um, that was not good. Yeah, just gonna put it out there. Uh, the second that you have uh, dudes summoning uh, like giant kaiju to fight each other, I don't think anyone is going to talk about how you were grounded in reality. And that, therefore, you need to make sure that everyone is white. That was very strange. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a really bad answer. That yeah. was a really long, really bad answer. Uh, but yeah. Um, ba basically, <laughs> someone at IGN asked Naoki Yoshida, the pro executive producer on F-16, uh, they brought up that nearly everyone in the trailers seems to be white. And are there is is there more? Are there any non major non-white characters or factions that are going to show up? And he was basically like, "Yeah, so the game is a fantasy game, but it's taking place in like a fantasy Europe, and so it 
needs to play hist history, yeah. Europe history, so that everyone's white. He he was, was slightly more articulate than that, but that was basically the gist of it. <laughs> it was. It's not yeah, good. He put his foot in his mouth. Yeah, it was, it was not a good answer. It was not a good justification. Uh, and again, this is. What's that? Yeah, yeah, very much. Yeah, it was, it was a bad answer. It was one of those things where, like, the the immediate things I said to Wheels when I when that came up was. This was a situation where saying no would have been better and still would have been a bad answer. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a not that was not a great thing, but yeah. Well, I'm sure I'll still play it. I'm sure I'll probably still not have a great time with it. Oh yeah, no, I'll be buying it day one like a moron because uh, yeah, I mean I bought Type Zero HD day one. <laughs> you bought that twice, even though that I... at least came with the FF15 demo. I guess, but yeah, I bought that day one, even though I didn't play the import and told everyone, hey, hey guys, this, this, this game blows. Stop requesting this. You, you, were, you were spared. <laughs> oh, and it was so bad. It was yeah. so bad. Uh, hey, Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core Reunion is coming soon. I've got Final Fantasy to look forward Yay. to. Uh, that looks like a really good, uh, not quite remake, not quite reimagining, not quite a port, not quite a remaster. It's a reunion. <laughs> I loved the the interview where they where someone asked like, "Why is this called reunion?" And Nomar is just straight up like, "Well, it's not really a remake, and it's not really a remaster. It's somewhere in between. So we weren't just going to call it remasters or remakes. So we just went with reunion." <laughs> I mean, you know what? Fair play. Can't can't disagree. Uh, um... yeah, looking forward to that and get us worked up for the second part of the Final Fantasy VII sequel. Yeah, rebirth. Yeah, I'm just calling. I'm just gonna call that re remake series a sequel now. Okay. Sequel is. series. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's fascinating. I I love games grappling with their own context. And yeah. Nothing has ever grappled with its own context more directly than a seven remake. Uh, on that same topic, what franchise is? The Garfield of video games being everywhere, but given the least amount of effort possible. <laughs> Chemco RPG. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm choosing to cut out Fireminer's rant uh, about Garfield. <laughs> I didn't see that. But yeah. Uh, Mondays. Also, am I right? <laughs> listen, there's there's no reason for a cat to hate Mondays. <sighs> That's a, that's a, there's this gem of a, germ of a joke in there. <laughs> you know, it's one literally one of the first things that the uh, the cartoonist came up with when he was making the concept was like, okay, he needs one defining trait and the, or these defining traits. Okay, hates this, he loves this. That's it. Dartboard Mondays lasagna. Not want some lasagna. Good, yeah. Lasagna does sound pretty good, doesn't it? It's, uh, you should it's... not feed an actual cat lasagna. They would probably die. Um, lasagna is never a mistake. Except for cats. 
Well, yes. Um, for humans. I mean, no. it's mostly starch and cheese and... Listen, I will not have... I will not sit here and let you besmirch the good name of lasagna, okay? And I was just saying it probably didn't have anything in it that would be toxic to cats. Oh, yeah, okay. There's, there's, I think there's I mean, usually, like, some form of, like, garlic or but it wouldn't wouldn't kill them. I seem to recall there's usually some form of like garlic or onions in it. <laughs> you make it without the Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You just have to specialize it. <laughs> mm. I still remember I don't think you wouldn't have hit this point in Persona <laughs> Five yet, but there is a there's an ambient dialogue that very occasionally runs where Morgana mentions having eaten part of an onion to try to prove that he was not a cat. <laughs> Which is still very funny to me. But uh, let's see. Anyone find it weird that the N64 has no light gun games at all? It has good FPS, but why no light gun games? Well, Goldeneye was originally a light gun game, but I mean, the issue you run into is just that, like, there just aren't a lot of Nintendo 64 games to speak of. Like, mm -hmm. what's the actual number on this? It's it's fewer than you're probably thinking. There are less than 464 games. Uh, a lot of them, like a huge proportion of that, were made by Nintendo, who doesn't really have that much of a history of the, with the genre outside of the NES. Like, there is the Super Scope on Super Nintendo, but that's there's not a lot of those either. Uh, and, you know, on the NES, it's like Duck Hunt, Hogan's Alley. It's kind of it. <laughs> uh, you know, the Nintendo itself does not have a ton of commitment to light gun games. Uh, the the R&D for a peripheral is just like, it's it's not... At the time, it was not a ton because, you know, light gun was kind of a solved technology, but it was not, you know, it was not nothing. You have to, like, if you make a light gun, you kind of have to be committing to making at least a handful of light gun games in some fashion. It's, it's just a lot. And, you know, the other issue was that, you know, there, there's a lot of genres that just sort of aren't represented on the console because... You know, the specialist developers that tended to make that kind of game just never really flocked to the system. So, like, there's a lot of PS1 light gun games, but they're very much made by light gun game specialists. Like, you know, you weren't seeing a lot of companies just come out and make Project Horned Owl. Just, you know. Yeah, pulled out a weird one. Pulled out one you might never have heard of. Definitely have heard of that one. Uh, yeah, Boy. Project Horned Owl, made by Alpha System. Ah! I should, probably should have heard of it then. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it's just one of those things like, you know, like in games are one of those things that either it's like the Wii where it's, you know, obviously, it was obviously suited for it from the beginning. Like, one of the first things that anyone thought of when they saw the Wii Remote was like, you could just make a light game out of this. And so there's a bunch of those. Or, you do it because there's already a lot of software. Uh, there's, there's a handful of Sega Saturn 
uh, light gun games as well. How many Saturn games are there? There are probably more than there are in 64 games. <laughs> gonna find out. Uh, uh, let's see. Yeah, there, there's, there's way more Sega Saturn games than there are in 64 games. It's just one of those things. Like there just, there just aren't that many in 64 games. And like very quickly, companies like figured out these genres sell platformers and first-person shooters. And then they, you know, because an N64 game was kind of a risk, you had to commit to manufacturing a lot of copies. So niche genres like Light Gun that had like that additional cost of because the cartridge was already going to be more expensive. Like those niche genres kind of were harder sells on that. So, you know, there's just there's just a lot of little reasons that light gun games just didn't make a ton of sense for the system. Which doesn't mean you don't have plenty of games that honestly probably would have worked with a light gun. Uh, I'm imagining like a truly like batty hybrid uh, control scheme for Sin and Punishment where if it had had like an N64 controller and a light gun to use, but yeah, uh, yeah, just one of those things where the the wrong companies were committed to it, and the economics just didn't make sense for smaller companies to try to take take up the slack. Uh, Talked about how real stealth games could be, but what about other genres? I've just learned if you make a fully 3D model for the player character in an FPS instead of a pair of floating hands, movements would be wholly different and not fun to play at all. I mean, yeah, like, you're, you're kind of making work you don't need to. And, like, a lot of games do have fully modeled uh, characters, uh, even in those instances. Like, when you see yourself die in Halo... You you were there. There was a model there, but you you don't you you make the movements for the perspective, not the model. Uh, for most FPSs, because it's just like you you're really more concerned about what the player can see, than like the things that they won't be seeing and do not care about. So you cheat, you cheat with those models. <laughs> Any any other opinions? Any strong opinions? Nah. Says the man playing an FPS right now. <laughs> what was the question again? I actually walked. Not. I actually walked away from the computer for a minute. God damn it! We talked about how real stealth games could be, but what about other genres? I've just learned that to make a fully three mo three D model for the player character in an FPS instead of a pair of floating hands, movements would be wholly different and not fun to play at all. That's like you. You do find that most modern FPSs do model the player character to some extent, especially just because multiplayer is such a concern. But like, you make the movement and yeah. deal with the model around it rather than the other way around. And there's some FPSs like this one I'm playing here, where there's Destiny. certain instances where you switch to third person, so kind of would be silly not to have a model there. Would be funny though, uh, but yeah, it's one of those things where like uh, you you need to be very careful about like you know the the primary play experience is always going to be the first person one. So 
the model has to bow to the view rather than the other way around. So, I'm, I'm thinking of the movie Wreck-It Ralph with the player avatar in the, in the oh, FPS game. Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. That movie is 10 years old, by the way. Yep. I almost forgot that it had a sequel. It's best to forget. <laughs> Seems pretty forgettable to begin with. Yeah, it's not very good. That's a shame. Maybe they can so put the, the first one in the Disney princess scenes. My daughters love that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good scene. Beyond that, it's kind of meh. Had a lot more options for what to do and didn't really take them. Yeah. Talked about real stuff. Uh, let's see. Do you think Fallout needs the gun customization system uh, needs right? It has right now. I'm not very into it just because of how grindy it makes the game feel. I'm I'm sure that like this is done to bow to like the kind of person who's like really loot obsessed. Hi. I don't think. Huh? I said hi. How you doing? Yeah, but you don't play Fallout for that. No, because Fallout sucks. <laughs> yeah, but like even if even if you liked Fallout, like it's one of those things where like I don't feel like it actually does. I don't think it's no, actually effective at what they're trying to get it for. Because like the point is to you you put in that kind of customization for the kind of person who cares about like weapon customization and loot. But it's it's one of those things where it's like it's in the game, but because you know. At this point, it's an expected feature, but it doesn't really add much to the game. Yeah, it's just there to make it easier to advertise. And yeah, so... it makes me think of like um, Outer Worlds, mm -hmm. which um, doesn't really need any of that either. But it has it. It has it. Yeah, it's expected to be there. And yeah, that's, that's but it does better ongoing. because that game is better than fought <clears throat> anyway yeah, i mean but yeah it's just one of those things like a lot of times you'll find things that are vestigial they're kept in there because it's weird to people when they're not there mm -hmm. and yeah I, I don't think there's anyone really playing fallout for loot but Probably you know not. they you cater yourself to try to lure in the kind of person who would pick it up because they thought they might play it for loot and then hope that they stay for the things that the game actually does well. Which is nothing. <laughs> but theoretically. In theory, yes. Um, or if you're playing uh, New Vegas. Ah, good times. Um... You think there is anyone in Square Enix that has an interest in keeping Triace alive? I hope so, but I don't know that I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> I worry about Triace. Yeah, I, I feel I fear that uh, Star Ocean Six uh, tanking the way that it seems to be uh, might might just be the thing that kills them. Yeah. Um, but I want Resonance to fate dose. Uh. Perhaps you're better off not having it. All five of us want the sequel. <laughs> I'm just saying perhaps you're better off not having it. Yeah, probably. They, yeah. You don't want a Star Ocean 3, Wheels. 
see. Speaking of Trias, are they working on a Star Ocean 2 remake? I believe the his the current history has borne out that that was not. <laughs> no, um, there was a um, article on uh, Noisy Pixel, I believe, where the devs actually stated, if you want us to make it, you uh, not a remake, but like if you want it on PS4, make some noise. <laughs> Hmm. I have it on not PS4, because Star Ocean Second Evolution is already on PS4. I have Only it on it Switch. Yeah, can I have they're... it on something I'd actually play it on? <laughs> yeah, they're they're talking they're they're talking about bringing it over from Japan, basically. To uh... yeah, that's a really weird bad port. Um, it's kind of ugly. They 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 upscaled it kind of poorly. <laughs> Uh, it's Star Ocean Second Evolution, so it's still fundamentally good. Uh, but yeah, just just kind of a. I'm, every time somebody brings this up, I'm just going to jokingly suggest that hey, why don't we also bring over the cell phone upgrade of Blue Sphere? Looks You're not so joking, and you know it. One. <laughs> You're not joking, and you know it. No, I mean, I'll say it just to annoy people who are being annoying about everything else Star Ocean. I already uh, played Blue Sphere. I enjoyed it. I'm good. I would like to see it get released officially in English. Um, let's see. Oh, that's Actually, it. Huh? Memories. Memories. I was actually Shit. playing. I was actually playing Blue Sphere when my daughter was being born. Which one? I was waiting and waiting at the middle of the night to stay awake somehow. Oh, uh, which daughter? First one. Okay. I mean, that is a valid question. You have two. Six years ago. Hmm. Uh, partly because the Game Boy SP held a charge a lot longer than some of my other handhelds, and it was uh, earthquake season. Oh boy. When to actually have something I was pretty sure would remain charged long enough to make it to another charge spot. Uh, let's, let's hit a couple. Let's, let's hit a question that should be near and dear to anyone's heart. Anyone notice how weird Parappa the Rapper was? Yes, yes, I did. Uh, the first few years of the PS1. That's the point. First few years of the PS1 in Japan were wild, right? I guess developing games for it was not as expensive as the N64 and Saturn. Uh, I don't know that it was particularly cheaper, although just the fact that its hardware was not a mutant chimera like the Saturn, nor as specialized as the N64 meant that it was generally going to be cheaper from the off, but like... It had a lot more talking... processing power in certain ways. Uh, more, would... more in the disk space, right? Yeah, well, disk space is useful, but like when we're talking about upfront costs, the thing we're worried about in that case is like how much of a pain in the ass is this program things on, and uh, how much uh, specialized equipment does it require? N64 games tended to sort of rely heavily on a very specific kind of computer for development environment. And Saturn's a mutant chimera. Uh, and then, of course, like the final, you know, you get further in, and it's like, well, you also have the advantage of discs, which the N64 does not have. Saturn has it, but again, Mutant Chimera. Uh, and 
you also have the question of manufacture that comes with discs. It's much cheaper to actually produce your final game once it's out because you don't have to go through like a handful of manufacturing plants. Uh, and you also don't have the situation where, for example, in order to get your game to work, you need to in, like include specific new chipsets into the cartridge. Yeah, although there was basically no one that was willing to spend that kind of money on the N64, but yeah, you don't have that from the hangover from the Super Nintendo, nor any of the madness of including RAM carts with the, with Saturn games. <sighs> good times. Less good times, actually. Um, Bad times. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it's one of those things where, like, the, the PS1 is, like, a critical mass of... Video games as a whole are still extraordinarily cheap to make at that point. Like, ju just in general. Uh, and, uh, like, because the cost of manufacture and the cost of getting development environments set up is relatively low for the PS1, you get a lot of very strange video games. Uh, Parappa the Rapper, in particular, was conceptualized by Masaya Matsuda, who I believe previously was part of a uh, band of some degree of popularity in Japan. I'm trying to remember what it's called. Uh, J-pop band Size, PSY-S, which had some had some popularity in like the I want to say the 80s. Um, let me double check. Sayamatsura. But yeah, uh, you know, Ma Matsuda would have likely had connections with Sony probably because of that. But yeah, um, in general, you, you run into a lot of companies on the PS1 that were not game companies before. And many of them would not be game companies for very long. But, you know, uh, I've rambled before that From Software was not, was originally like a, like proper software company that made, like, essentially, like business software or. God, who made Cosmic Race? So that's, that's an absolutely hellish game, but it was made by a company that absolutely did not make games before or after. Um, okay, Cosmic Race. Yeah, made by a Japanese company called Neorex. Uh, and Cosmic Race was allegedly made essentially entire, had no textures that were not just included in the PS1 deck yet. Which I can't prove, but it's very funny, so print legend. Um,. But yeah, Neorex, as I recall, was absolutely not a game developer before, and I believe Cosmic Race is basically the only game they ever made. Uh, God, what was the Acti Art Company? They made another, like... Basically a lot of corporate speculation on a new market. Yeah, it's like, this is cheap to get into, and we can sort of test the waters. Uh, and that, that produces a lot of the PS, Japanese PS1 especially. It's weird-ass Kusoge. Um... Like uh, Not Treasure Hunter and Hakayo King of Crusher, uh, just a, just a lot of weird uh, 
uh, games that, like, if they cost more than, like, a rounding error on the balance sheet to make, then, like, maybe someone would have stopped them. Well, also, you you saw a lot of companies, um, you know, try and expand their repertoire of games like Koei. I mean, Koei before that was pretty much just known for Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Well, they made after- a lot of strategy games, but yeah, they were all like Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Yeah, but then after the PlayStation 1, you know, the, first they tried Dynasty Warriors as a fighting game. Sangoku Musou. Yeah, the very by first Shin one. Sangoku Musou. Yeah, the very first one's a fighting game. Not many people realize that. Um, That's why the Japanese ones are always a number behind the English ones, because in Japan it went Sangoku Musou, Shin Sangoku Musou, Shin Sangoku Musou 2, and they numbered up from there, whereas in America Dynasty Warriors 2 was treated as though it were a sequel to the fighting game. Yeah, I will admit, I played the second one before I even found a copy of the first one, but I do own it. It was Um, was a rare game. (laughs) They also, like, did the whole actual tactics ones with dynasty you know dynasty tactics yeah although that's ps2 era yeah yeah dynasty tactics ps2 dynasty dynasty the dynasty warriors games on ps2 are very funny because you could have like an ex like your the level of strategy you wanted in your romance in three kingdoms was highly customizable at that stage because you could do dynasty warriors which was the more pure action game then Dynasty Warriors Empires, which added some strategy on top of it, but not a lot. Then Dynasty Tactics, which was like the like tactical RPG. Then Romance of the Three Kingdoms, which was like the grand strategy game. Very, very silly. Um, and then you had Kessen. Yeah, but I think that was mostly... No, uh, Kessen 2 was in that same... World, it was the whole Chinese one. Kessen 1 Yeah, and I was three saying Kessen 1 and 3 were primarily warring states. Uh, uh, what's the other thing I was going to say? Oh yeah, I wanted to I wanted to keep bringing up Weird Kusuke. Everyone go look up Hakayo King of Pressure, which is a like, dog shit experience to actually play, but it's super fucking weird and fun. <laughs> and uh, has an extremely strange ending that is kind of a rumination on the nature of freedom. Huh. But it's also... Very, very PS1 area. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Hakayo King of Crusher is extremely strange. <laughs> it extremely looks like a fake game when you see it. Uh, is there any other... Looks like, that sounds like somebody sent the Japanese name to a translation machine. <laughs> uh... Hakayo King of like King of Crusher is kind of a way to describe Hakayo. And Hakayo is like the king of destruction. Yeah, like you could you could like someone would look at you funny, but you could ex- describe that as King of Crusher. Uh, but yeah, like there's there's a degree of it's, it's just sort of impossible to recreate a uh, exciting burgeoning looking market mixed with very, very low cost of entry, mixed with uh, the nature of people don't know how 3D games work yet. The nature of several major genres have yet to be invented. Yep. And that's why you can have Art Dink making Tale of the Sun. Remember Tale of the Sun? No. You don't remember Tale of the Sun? No. 
The, my favorite way I ever heard it put was that it was a caveman narcolepsy simulator. <laughs> it was it was a game where you were theoretically trying to get mammoth bones to build a tower to the sun. That is but, a description. Like, the thing is that your character will just sometimes fucking fall asleep, and you might be running down a hill while that's happening. Your character just sort of falls asleep and rolls down the hill. Or whatever you happen to be doing at the time, you will stop and fall asleep. As a person who actually suffers from narcolepsy, I will tell you, <laughs> as soon as you fall over, you wake your ass up because you hit something. You don't stay asleep. <laughs> Listen, you don't know how cavemans work. Who knows? Who nope. could say how primitive man works? Scientists? No. No, they cannot. Uh, Tale of the Sun's very strange. Uh, yeah, that was Art Dink back when they made weird things. Uh, but okay. I think one of the things... What's that? Art Dink. Mm -hmm. I think you, I one of the things... Funny. Sorry, what? No, no, keep going. Sorry. I, I think one of the one of the things that you can tell that it was partially a boom that could only happen because the audience had no broader expectations. Because one of the things that always sticks out in my mind is one of Art Dink's uh, early games was Aquanauts Holiday, which was just a like wander around underwater and look at fish simulator. Mm -hmm. And, like, that was just, you know, you could just release that on PS1. People would be like, oh, that's weird. And then there was a brief series on the Wii called Endless Ocean that was basically exactly the same thing. But because the audience had been cultivated by marketing to be a very specific one, the reaction to the idea of Endless Ocean existing and not having a defined or explicit goal was venomous and furious. <laughs> It was weird to see games get narrowed in that generation. But yeah, like, you know, there's, there's just a lot of stuff that you can get away with when people don't know, when corporations and the audience don't know what to make and don't know what's a good idea or even what's acceptable. <laughs> the 1970s of music. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, let's hit one more that's very near and dear to my heart before my brain gives out. Well, before your brain gives out, I just want you all to know that I think Crunchyroll is mocking me. That seems plausible, but why? They have a category on there that says, go touch grass. <laughs> I mean, they're mocking the world at that stage. <laughs> With a bunch of anime about the outdoors. You know, so Makes yeah, sense. my, my Crunchyroll is mocking me. As you do. Okay, let's hit this question because it's near and dear to my heart. Do you guys ever try to trace back the origin of a specific genre or franchise only to find something very different from its destiny, from its descendants? Like, I recently found out the first WWF game is for MS-DOS and microcomputers. In a wrestling match, it's basically you choose from a list of moves and see the slides moving. Basically a proto-FMV game. Let me tell you about, uh, let me talk to you about East. <laughs> oh, do we have to one, keep talking about that? <laughs> no, we don't. One of, uh, one of the first RPGs that I'm a, at least aware of is Heroes of the Lands. Mm -hmm. That's pretty early on, yeah. Yeah, that's, and, and like, 
from my understanding that uh, at least from my understanding that is like the first one and i only i know about it because i it was one of the few games we couldn't get to run on the computer the earliest rpg i'm aware of is calabeth from 1979 yeah i can't find anything that would put heroes of the lance earlier than that but yeah, it's just one of those things, like, you, you end up tracing things back, and if you go back far enough, like, especially with RPGs, the answer you're always going to run into is D&D, &D, and when you trace D&D &D further back, it's like tabletop wargaming of a type that basically at this point only exists in Warhammer. Yep. <laughs> I think D&D D &D was... D&D's original or, or origin was somebody asked, or somebody was talking to Gigax about whether or not they could adapt a Napoleonic war game to Tolkien. Yeah. His reaction was, "Who's Tolkien?" And so they loaned him a copy of Lord of the Rings. And the rest is history. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was originally supposed to go. It was originally supposed to go with something called Chainmail. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you are correct. But, but yeah, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, and like by that point, it's just like this is completely unrecognizable from any RPG you've ever played. But it's also why the original assumption for D&D &D was that there wasn't going to be much talking involved. It was very adversarial. Mm -hmm. That's why the, the DM was considered your opponent rather than your cooperator. So, yeah. I, I, uh, I view the DM as the storyteller. That's the modern interpretation. Who's going to kill me tonight? I mean, or it depends on your individual storyteller. <laughs> organizer and enabler there we go mm. well said storyteller for me is my wife so she's not but she's not killing me tonight that she's running her other she's running the other half of the campaign tonight good times doing me softly with her story no 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 <laughs> now that's fbm stick what are you doing uh, and I shouldn't be allowed to do it either. Um, but yeah, uh, stay stay tuned. I'm probably gonna post like uh, some some rough drafts on a on a similar subject to this on a Patreon near you sometime. But yeah, uh, I think that cleans me out for capacity to think because I'm very very tired. Uh, um, this time was 2.30 a.m. a week ago. Yeah. I'm tired. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so let's let's get this going. Wheels never even stopped playing Destiny 2 because he is uh, crippled inside. Um, Harsh. Tam. Since you're the guest who came in late, tell us... I'm always the guest who comes in late. Yeah, well, in this case, tell us what you do and what you want people to know about. Ah. Uh. I stream two days a week at twitch.tv slash rpgamer. Um, I also uh, try to remember to throw out tweets that, about our articles and news that we've posted on twitter.com slash rpgamer. Poor Twitter dies. Uh. <laughs> Poor Twitter dies. Yeah, I gotta, I, I'm going to have to talk to pause about that one. <laughs> um, so, but uh, we also have a whole bunch of other people who stream and we... We are, of course, still taking uh, donations for Extra Life until the end of the year, if anyone still would like to assist with us helping. Those streams are in the archive. You should check them out. 
I don't know mm. if they want to check out 10 hours of me gaming. You can check out I mean, two hours of me playing yeah, Destiny got their own thing, you with know. some friends. It was a good time. Ew. No, it was a good time. <laughs> it, was, it was actually good watching you. I, yeah. I, even though I give you crap about playing Destiny, <laughs> it was actually fun watching you play. No, we picked, picked, we picked good content, too. Did some dungeons, which, you know, your average Destiny player probably doesn't play, so... That's good Encourage stuff. him. Encourage me. Witness me. No. Play Sonic instead. Um, I mean, I will do that too. You? But... Sorry, uh, I was going for a Who reference. Uh, hey. Speaking of things that are Dungeons and Dragons adjacent. Gaijin. Oh, okay, I was, I was just waiting for you guys to finish up there. Yeah. Okay, okay let me get into plug mode. Plug it in. Plug it okay. in, plug it in. God damn it. It's <laughs> probably safer than a fork in the outlet involved. Okay, so. Okay. Hello, everybody. Good evening. Um, I'm here to plug Princesses of the Pizza Parlor on Kindle and Kindle Unlimited, a let's play act or let or whatever you call them um, podcast where people, you know, people just play Dungeons and Dragons and try to make it funny and. I hope people are entertained, except all of that's in book format this time. In fact, I think it predates a lot of this genre, but who's counting? So if you enjoy tabletop RPGs, if you enjoy reading about tabletop RPGs, if you enjoy living vicariously through other people's poor dice rolls and poorer personal decisions, and don't mind either episodic ebook format or collected dead tree format, Please check out Princesses of the Pizza Parlor on Kindle Kindle Unlimited by Michael Yarimizu. That's Y-A-R-I-M-I-Z-U. Thank you. Okay. Huzzah! Ah, getting pretty good at that. Yeah, no, you're going to... One day you'll reach Micro Machines, man caliber. And nobody can talk that fast. <laughs> Just need to go through a few class upgrades. Um, I mean, there is the guy who played Blur... Here. But that was the world's fastest talking man. Wheels. Oh, you can catch us on twitch.tv slash rpgamer to catch this podcast recorded live and watch me play whatever That's I'm playing. twitch.tv slash askwheels where you're like, well, live. What did I say? You said rpgamer. Oh, yeah. No, not on there. Uh, also do occasional adventures and platforming. Uh, you can also find on YouTube if you search for the Ask Wheels channel. Uh, just finished a playthrough of Klonoa, specifically the recent re-release, which is a good time and a very uh, underappreciated game. So you should check that out. We also do on twitch.tv slash askwheels, Sunday Night Shenanigans, where last week we played Saints Row, the new one co-op they had a great time and it was good good times good shenanigans that whole series honestly is perfect for shenanigans because that's what happens in co-op <laughs> a very good place to go co-op and accidentally fail each other repeatedly yeah it's good times but yeah that also that game is not as bad as people made it out to be because the internet decided it was bad before it came out it's a solid seven. Yeah. As the whole series, honestly, mostly is. Pretty much. 
Sometimes what you need is a good seven. Yeah. You don't need to have everything be a ten. If everything's a ten, then nothing's a ten. Exactly. It really, it really is good to, you know, you get the variety of something that, you know, reaching, reach exceeds its grasp sometimes, but it's got, it's got pluck and energy. Much but... like our podcast. <laughs> yeah, speaking of those, uh, you can ask us questions for the podcast. You can ask them in the uh, comments section, or you can ask them in uh, the comments section under this or a recent episode. I usually check back a few episodes that weren't any this time, but always happy to see them. Uh, you can also ask us questions in the Discord, which you can go uh, join by going to the community tab of RP Gamer. You can click through to get an invite to the Discord. It's a lovely community uh, discussing RPGs and all in sundry. Uh, even if you don't want to ask us questions, you should uh, join because it's a good place. But if you do want to ask us questions, the podcast section is always good for that. Uh, let's see. Uh, but Dave, you forgot to tell us what you do. No, no, I, I'm way, I'm just about to, like, I'm working on, I'm maybe posting some incomplete drafts of something longer in the works, and so I'm going to wait until I've posted the first of those to plug that. But I appreciate it. Uh, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so you can... Uh, ask us questions. Uh, special thanks to Fireminer for providing the question list that keeps us fueled when there are no other questions in the long winter. Uh, but otherwise, uh, I think that wraps us up. So see ya, Space Cowboys. See ya. Push me to victory Let's see what we can do Together me